This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome, Adam. Dame Dash, how you living, man? Pretty good, pretty good. Sorry it took us so long to get going. Yeah, it's always like that. A few well, hiccups. You know, my show was about business. I don't know if you know what we were walking into. I like that. Yeah, so, you know, I like to teach people as I learn. Mm. And I like to lead by example. So, you know, I'm doing a television network and I'm shooting movies and I try to teach everybody. You got to block the day before. Mm. Got to block the day before. It saves a lot of time, but I didn't get the crew and we didn't get it together till the day before. Okay. So we didn't get the block. So that shit happens. But when I make a mistake, like Hassan over there, he's one of my artists. I'm like, yo, you see what happens when you don't block? Right? And that's why I try to tell everybody to block because this is what happens to me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So let's talk about you. So it's Adam 22. Yeah. All right. So you know I'm 48. Mm. And, you know, generally, gen- generationally, the way distribution is happening and the way people are getting information is a lot different. Mm. And, you know, I see you pop up on my feed a lot. And, um, but I didn't really realize, you know, exactly who you were, how you distributed your shit and all the things that came with it. And so when you hollered at us, Kelsey was like kind of excited because mm. she knew it was like a whole world that, you know, I know exists, but I really don't know what's going on. Shout out Kelsey. Kelsey, shout out to A Kelsey. real one. Shout out to Kelsey. She put this together today too. So good looking Kelsey. She produced this. Um, so can you explain exactly what you do and how you do it? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I started out just interviewing BMX riders and just underground quote unquote SoundCloud rappers, just cause you know, I was just friends with, I've been running a BMX business. Like I basically started the first BMX website in like 2006. Like I was the first one to really have like a website for you know news and videos and everything like all like I was you aggregating content exactly because I was inspired by the early hip hop blog wave in like 2005 because I was just a rap nerd just reading now right two dope boys all that shit and then I started I, you know I'm obsessed with BMX at the same time I'm spending so much time on this BMX message board I started to see these things emerging as like actual businesses online platforms and I was like man I can do the same thing for BMX so I had about ten years where that was like the basis of my whole life, 2006 so, so, to 2016, roughly. So, because, so, you know, my crowd might not understand it. Mm. Explain the BMX thing. What is that? For me, my version of BMX was going out with my friends, riding bikes around downtown or in the woods or whatever, trying to learn some tricks, trying to maybe make some videos. 
every day. I did that for like 20 years. Like that was my whole life. So, so naturally like running a website about it just came to me super naturally. And also it was the fact that I was like, but let's talk about that life for a second. Mm. Cause you know, I've been around some BMX dudes. They fight a lot. Very aggressive That's sport. Mm. Right? There was a lot of that back then, especially, yeah. It was like, and really rude at times. Like, you know, yeah. really like came for the smoke. First time I went to New York City to ride BMX, it was like the best, most enlightening experience ever because you go to Union Square and you got like, 50 or 100 different BMX kids from every different borough and they're all just hanging out. They're all wild as hell, funny as hell. They got crazy inside jokes going on and like the level of progression of BMX at that time too. And when I first started going to New York was like 2002, 2003, mind blowing. Like everybody, like there were some of the best riders in New York who were just hanging out with all these regular people just at Union and like the level of like foolishness, crazy, ignorant shit that was happening was ridiculous, you know, because, you know, these dudes would start a fight with whoever. They would like, you know, grab a dude's toupee off his head and just go running some shit like that. They ride by the fruit stands and just knock all the apples off the fruit stands. I remember stands. one of my homies wanting to throw a party at my gallery and I was like, hell no. Really? Because some disrespectful shit's going to happen. Yeah, it's a no wild matter. crowd. It's I'm just not always, lie. it's always that little chip and they fight each other. They fight, the skateboarders fight each other. With the, not, well, it's like the BMX guys be fighting the skateboarders. From my perspective, shit has got a lot more calm and well, cool. Well, I don't even know the world. I just remember, this is like 10 years yeah. ago when I was out in the Lower East Side and I'd be like, what the fuck? I didn't even know about I this. I feel like a lot of the cultural norms have changed with that because when I was young, it was like more cool to be this crazy punk rock, ridiculous person who was drinking all the time, all that shit. When I go hang out at the skate park, it's a bunch of chill little pothead kids that are just hanging out smoking spliffs riding their bikes, messing around on their phones. Kids are different now. It's like when we were, you being older than me, even more of an extreme sense, but it feels like each generation that goes by gets a little bit less desiring to prove themselves in like any kind of and, violent well, way. Before it was happening and then all of a sudden social media kicked in and then it went completely backwards. Mm. So there was this moment when hip hop was violent, going back to hip hop. Mm. And I guess after like Biggie died and Pac died and it just was like, there was this whole wave, like when like Wiz and Currency yep. and Smoke Dizza, and and I remember when um, you know when I had DD one seventy two, being violent and fronting was whack. Like mm. if you wasn't cool, no one. It was the first time I had seen the different states sticking together. You know that everyone was from different places, and that was the reason why I was even engaged in it because they were more on my wave. Mm. You know, like like I can be aggressive when I'm protecting. But generally speaking, I like to just chill out. You know what I'm saying? But enough about me. That's weird, though, to think that the, at that time, the idea of like an art gallery in for hip hop and like having something that was more high class and yeah. high brow, that that was like a new idea. Well, I think it was just no one knew how to do it to bring mm. people together. And really make people give a shit, yeah. And do it in an aspirational way. Mm. See, sometimes with independence, people are independents reluctantly because no one's accepted them. And it doesn't come with like profit or showing like, you know, certain lifestyle. But I was a person that chose art mm. over corporate and I still didn't sacrifice any quality of living. So my gallery wasn't like some old bum gallery. I had, you know, three floors in Tribeca, you know, nobody's office or building was better than mine and has ever been since I got away from corporate because mm. I, they always had offices for me and I need a building. I do a lot of shit, you know, and it never made sense as a creative person. I, Cause like when you're with executives, they're just thinking about how to exploit. Mm. I'm thinking about how to create. 
and then how to bag it up and put it out, monetize it and do more shit. They just think about how to exploit. And I'm like, and they outsource everything. Mm. Just like, you know, the government. You outsource everything. And I'm like, why wouldn't we, as creators, bring everyone in-house, make our own movies, have our own studios, and have our own distribution and platform, and distribute it ourselves, have our own radio station, our own TV station. And people just didn't get it because to them it was unknown, and people usually fear the unknown. Mm. And that's why, you know, it just, it just turned into that. You know what I mean? It's just like, when I open up shop, so many people come around, and like when you get like a, a someone that makes films with someone that paints with someone that makes music, you're gonna get something completely off the hook, and it's gonna be beautiful, mm. and it's gonna be monetizable if you could package it up and put it out correctly, and the people don't argue, you know, and start getting their emotions involved. Mm. So that's what I was always able to do: is get creative people, usually people that are dysfunctional, just because they can only focus on things that they enjoy, which is what an artist is, mm. and show them how to focus that energy package that energy, be consistent, monetize it, and benefit from it in a way that doesn't take anything from their spirit or their soul. Mm. You know, I've always been that guy that fought for the creator, the creative, and because I am a creator, mm. you know what I'm saying? But both sides of my brain work. So you're in this lifestyle, and you did this website, and how did it turn into what you're doing now? It was just... Over time, because I was doing that website for like over 10 years, I just started to think about more and more ways that I could branch out and do something that would be bigger, have more of an impact and stuff. So I started to get real obsessed with social media and just really interested in YouTube and stuff. I started to do vlogs. And I started to do podcasts. And one of the first podcasts I did was with this dude, Xavier Wolf, who was like a big underground icon at the time in L.A. type scene, the sort of early SoundCloud rapper and did an interview with him and it just got more numbers than any of the bmx interviews i was doing and then it just started to happen like from there where some other like underground rappers and stuff were seeing what i was doing and they just started to sort of hit me up and say they wanted me to do their first interview and i, I had like a streak of interviews where i interviewed zach the dude who runs ftp which is a really popping clothesline in la i interviewed the suicide boys who are just starting to blow up as like you know underground rappers i interviewed lil yadi like his first interview when he was like 16 when he was signed to cupcake like, like two days before that uh you know it's just like doing all these, these different interviews that started to hit and really kind of like build an image for what the podcast was about just based on who i was associating myself with and who we were doing con content with and we, we just got that image early on of being extremely concerned with underground rap and being very early on stuff and i wasn't really going out of my way to to get that image that was just genuinely the shit that i was interested in is that usually by the time shit gets to like a really big level like a lot of times by the time an artist gets around to putting out their first album I've almost lost interest like I already I always been that kind of rap fan where I was just kind of just rapidly like consuming everything to the point where uh I was just sort of ahead of the curve I guess and it just started to sort of manifest through the podcast and can you explain how you monetize it the business of it uh pretty much there's youtube ads which is a big part of it there's uh merchandise which is a big part of it and then there's like we'll do ad reads for various products i've been selling some dick pills on the podcast recently and uh then we also do these live streams where kids will actually like drop a hundred dollars for us to listen to their song and that goes a long way too the the fans really support a lot of times it's sometimes they want us to actually get in tune with their music and sometimes they're just kind of donating just to support the channel and stuff, but we do these like long ass live streams where kids just send money for us to check their shit out. So, and I appreciate you telling me about that. And I have more questions. Kelsey, is Kelsey here? Where'd she go? 
Cause, come here, Kelsey. Cause, I want to ask Kelsey's perspective. Cause again, I'm I don't really know the business. Mm. I'm trying to understand it. Can we get a mic for Kelsey? This, this is Kelsey. Uh, and Kelsey's about what 22. Yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, what's up with that mic? That's why I went on deck. Pause. So, um, again, Kelsey got really excited. She knew exactly who you were. Mm. And, you know, she was kind of making me understand that there's like a whole world. You know, what's the world he's in? Explain that world. Uh, well, he's definitely in the underground rap scene. And it's also funny because he's in like the YouTube scene where he also brings YouTubers on his show, which is really interesting because then you, you hit so many markets. And I don't know. Those are the two markets that I'm so most into. Mm. And, and this is like the hustle for her age demo. Everyone aspires to be. So do you consider yourself a YouTuber? Yeah, in a sense. But it's kind of weird because a lot of times I'll meet YouTubers who are objectively like more popular than me on a YouTube level, but they still are kind of freaked out by what I'm doing just because to a lot of YouTubers, rap is this like untouchable world that they can't so possibly you're, you're be. you're the badass in the YouTubers. Kind of because rap is... Okay, I get it. Everybody, that's one thing I've learned uh, from doing these interviews is uh, that rap is the coolest shit in the world and a lot of other people from other parts of the world and parts of the industry just want to be associated and, with and cool you're, you're, rap shit so bad. And you come from the BMX world, so you have no fear of it. Mm, and yeah, to be real, like in the BMX world, it's like, think about what an average day is a BMX ride. You're going out on your bike for eight, 10 hours in a day in a van, dirty as hell. You're like, literally people are like just cutting themselves open and falling down and getting dirty all the time. So I don't know, to me, like just, I feel like that, 10 years of that on the media side really prepared me to deal with kids from the hood who just want to make art. It's like, not really. People, people always act like rappers are so crazy and shit. And to me, it's kind of like, they don't seem that different from the BMX dudes that I was hanging out with. Maybe they're a little bit more complicated because they tend to be uh, wrapped up in all kinds of different shit. But it really, at the also end of the day, the it is what it is. people are making a lot of money off of them. The, the money is the crazy it's part, to be thing. real. Yeah, that changes everything. Because if you're a professional BMX rider and you really kill it, you might be making five, ten thousand dollars a month, and obviously, if you're a, so, a rapper, killing it. So, in this universe, who's in his universe? Like, who's in his universe? Um, like people that do the same thing as him, or people yeah, that like, like I associate. I don't want to say competition, competition, but like in the same in the same breath that you say, Adam, twenty two, what other people are in that world? I mean, just because I think of him mostly as like a, a rap like interviewer, I think of like the Breakfast Club. Like, that's what I associate him with. But, the YouTube um, Breakfast but Club? as far as, like, you, yeah. Char Charlemagne yeah. and them, yeah. yeah. You're the YouTube Charlemagne. Well, I mean, but they're big on YouTube, too. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, right. Charlemagne. No, nah, but, I mean, like, if okay, if you want to compare me to Charlemagne, it's like Charlemagne is super dope at what he does, and they've built something really crazy, and everything's awesome about that. I have a huge amount of respect for him. I end up watching those interviews all the time to prepare for my interviews, but it's kind of like they're more focused on people who are a little bit more established, whereas, like, for me, like, my ideal interview, like, you know, I interviewed ABG Neil. He has 60,000 uh, followers on Instagram, but it got, like, 400,000 views on that interview just because, you know, it's like he's he's brand new coming out. I find, like, that's who people really, really get excited for me to interview is, like, I, I, I think I might have done Lil Tecca's first interview, and he's blowing up right now. And people, like, I, I mean, I just take a lot of pride in being able to, like, tap in with artists that are coming up before they're blown out before they did a hundred different radio interviews we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth 
We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So if he had, if there was the YouTube awards, what award would he get? Maybe like, yeah, just like interview. Like if there was like an interview category, it would be him because I don't know. Like any Barbara other... Walters, Charlamagne, like that kind of thing. I don't know who Bob was. Barbara Walters. Barbara Walters. Bob Walters. (laughs) That's crazy to me. I fuck with Barbara Barbara Walters, Walters, yeah. But she's 20, like, you know, this generation doesn't know a lot Mm. about, there's like a cutoff date to what they kind of know about certain things where like 10 years ago it wasn't like that. I remember the first time I hung out with a girl. Like white that people she had never these se- days. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I remember the first time I hung out with a girl and she had never seen The Simpsons or Seinfeld, and I was just like, "Damn!" Like, all right, so we're different, different generations of white people. So I got to get back to the business. So the interview we did, you know, went viral, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I started looking at my feed and it was like five hundred dollars for a haircut. <laughs> I paid Dame $500. I'm like, what the fuck is that? So I wanted to talk about that. Yeah. And the way things get misperceived. Mm. So, you know, every artist has a writer. Right. And that's their expenses. So, like, when you ha- an artist goes to a show or they go anywhere, you have a writer. You say, I want first-class tickets or I want a private jet. I want this many jelly beans, <laughs> you know. So that, that's my writer. You know what I'm saying? I didn't think it was that crazy, to be real. Just I think because it was the way you said it, you're like, I paid Damon Dad, so it looks like I got paid. People wanted to make it out as if it was, you know, but like you know an appearance fee and not just like a, you know, to cover the basic expenses. And also, it made sense to me too because it's like, you know, I know driver is expensive. Like, you got to pay a driver for a couple hours. So. But don't tell nobody. You know? I know, right? You think I want people to know how much I pay my fucking toll, my business and shit? Is that weird? I, mean, I was thinking about bringing it up in the actual some- interview. Well, if we do some business together, right, and then you start talking about it in, on a fucking mic, I might be like, "Damn, we can't do no more business together" because he might be loose with his lips. You know what I'm saying? No, I just no I, I didn't think shit. that was the kind of thing that was off I'm limits. Not, I'm not tripping, no, I'm, yeah. bro. I'm not tripping. Right. I just saying the way it was. It was. I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah, that's my writer. So what? Right. My cut is my cut. But again, you know, it gets people shit to say. Mm. But I just thought, you know, it was petty. It wasn't. Yeah, I, I didn't think that they were gonna make such a big deal out of it. But I mean, I didn't think I didn't think anyone was gonna make a big deal or as big a deal out of what I, what I said or certain things that I said. Because that's the type of shit I say every day. It's just normal conversation, and it's how I feel. Right. Like, you as an interviewer, right? And this is a question I be asking people, because when they ask me about, you know, the J question, what is your expectation as an interviewer of my perspective on that situation at any given time, Mm. no matter how many years go by? Well, you know what the interesting thing is about that is that it's, like, it's so possible and so easy to imagine asking you about your time with Jay in a really clunky, shitty, boring type of way, and especially because you as an interviewee are clearly okay with telling the interviewer to shut the fuck up because I've seen you do it to Charlemagne and them before, or Envy specifically, because they were trying to ask you about the J thing in a fucking boring way. I think that the reason why that interview is a success is because there actually was a relevant thing to talk about. It was great. Timing was good. But then also, it's like we got to it in a natural way. So you felt comfortable enough at that point that you just opened up in a way that you previously had not really done. I just answered it. Well, whatever. But my point is, anybody that ever asks a question about that, regardless of how they ask it, what do you think 
that perspective is going to be like. I when because when people ask me, I'd be like, "Yo, I'm always feel the way I feel." Like you know, I'm a businessman, so people don't know how it feels when you're versed a certain amount of time, a certain amount of money, and people do things in a certain way. And I'm not just generally saying one person. I get violated a lot in business, mm. and no matter who it is, even if it was like I hit somebody with a pack, or like an eighth, you know, 20 years ago. If somebody asked me about that person, I'd be like, yo, he burnt me for eighth. You know what I'm saying? Period. Don't hit him with no work. I don't fuck with that person like that. So I'm not always going to be salty about the situation, but I'm not salty in life. I'm like, yo, you caught me for that. Mm. You won't catch me again. But no matter how many times somebody asks me, it's always going to be that, that same kind of a negative kind of an answer from me mm. because I had personal dealings with that person. And, you know, I really haven't been so petty as to reveal every single little fucked up thing that happened because I'm over it. It's mm. like, you know, I don't care. I, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So it's just like I'll be wondering what the expectation is. Like, y'all got to know I'm going to say something that's not going to be nice mm. or at least not positive to some about somebody that it seems that for some reason no one else wants to say anything about. So when I do say everyone goes nutty. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I could I could imagine that. I mean, it's a weird conversation to have because it's like the most played out thing for you to discuss, right? It's, it's like, the thing that you like, get the most comments about, get asked about the well, most. Well, well in, in a certain world. Yeah. So you got to remember something. In hip-hop, that's all they talk about. Right. She has no idea what's going on. <laughs> that's interesting, yeah. You know, like, people have outgrown that problem mm. in this generation. They have no fucking idea. And if they did, they'd be like, yo, that's some dumb shit. Mm. She has no idea, no clue. At all. Oh, I mean, it's like 2002. I mean, it was a long yeah, time ago. It was a long time ago. So <laughs> 17 in, in years. In a certain yeah. world, people talk about it nonstop. Mm. I find it weird that people live vicariously through other people so much. Mm. To defend people or be mad over people that you really don't know that wave a flag for a person that will never wave a flag for you. Mm. You must really hate your life to love somebody else's so much that you fight more for theirs than your own. Right. And then how do you even acknowledge a person that's in such a bad place? Mm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's weird how much goodwill you can buy just through music. Like, people will make the most excuses for somebody if they love their music. <laughs> well, they. I mean, look at the president. Yeah. You know, look at if you're a fan of somebody, you don't really give a fuck what they do bad. You mm. just like them and you want them to be consistent. Yeah. So I just think we're in a world now because people don't step down because they're in a certain amount of control when they fuck up because everybody fucks up. Mm. Who in the world is perfect? Right. You know, it's just that we're signing on to a life that you see all our perfections live. But, you know, one day you up, one day you down, one day you up. That's life. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like normal shit. I don't think anything's not normal. Yeah. So when you know that bubblegum shit, because, you know, the, the, the thing was, uh, uh, you know, what, what was I, the shit I, the headline I always read was... Uh, you know, homie ain't shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, yeah. They, they like the that word, quote. Y'all know the word to put in bold. That's going to get everything. That's like, the quote, for sure. You gave it right to him. And as an interviewer, I'm thinking, as you say that, I'm like, oh, <laughs> he just gave it to him. <laughs> he just wrote the headline for him. Okay. So to the business and the writer thing, when you do something like that, and just so you understand the business, you'll get like, let's say you get a million followers or a million subscribers. You make money. Mm. Right? Yeah. Now, I don't want to say how much money because that's your business. Mm. But like generally speaking... What numbers do you have to do to catch a lick to make some real money as a YouTuber where it's significant? Like, how many, you know what I mean? Like, she want, you want to be a YouTuber? You, you be saying that shit sometime, right? Yeah, I'll be a YouTuber. 
So, and I'd be like, well, how, how much money do you make each year? She'd be like, I don't know. How much money does a YouTuber make? And like, when you catch a lick like that one or it's popular, what, what does it yield? I mean, I'll just be super transparent about that one. So, average video that gets a million views for us might make two to 3,000, which is kind of low. That one, for whatever reason, because we had two different clips, we had the full one and then this short one, I think combined might have made from just YouTube ads, might have made like almost 10,000, which is like almost 2 million views total between it. And it made pro almost 10,000. And then we also put an ad on it. And the ad, I think, paid like about three to 4,000. So that was a good, for us to make 14,000 off one video is a huge success. Because in a week? We, we, uh, yeah, because we're not going to, well, off that one piece of content, but we're not going to get that Every many day. views off right. an average video. I do interviews all the time that might make, you know, $200, $300. It is what it is. You, you can't really think about it like that because you never know which one's going to go out of the, get blasted out of the park. And, and and that's how, just again, just to take it back to the business, when someone has a rider, that's the reason why they have one because like, yeah, if I have to have a driver, the driver got to get paid. If I got to get a cut that day, shit, you might make 14000 off that. I don't mm -hmm. want none of that. That's so, why I don't blame you for asking for it, because you know, I'm making a was, piece of content was, with you notice, in it. It's it, was, like, it wasn't an ask. Mm. I wouldn't have came if it wasn't that way, just kind of out of respect, because mm. I didn't know you. You know, and now that I do know you, I probably would, you know, I would probably be like, fuck it, but I don't know you, you mm. know what I'm saying? So, and I didn't know what you represented or, nothing, or any of those things. I just had seen you, and I thought it was interesting, your perspective on certain things I had seen. And I also wanted to know if when they had ran in your spot, was that real? <laughs> that was real. That was real? <laughs> yeah. Damn. But it was, it's like, it seems like confusing to people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it seems confusing to people because it was some, like, crazy-ass kid. It wasn't no, like, gangster-ass dude. It wasn't no robber. Right. It was just a crazy, fucked-up kid with a fake gun. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, oh. prop gun, movie gun. So you gun have to kind of represent and be fearless. You know, I got to look like I fucking really got ran up on with a gun, but then when we figured out that it wasn't a real strap, it was like, oh, damn, I was never really in danger, but... That dude was almost in danger because that kid almost got his head blown off by the dude that I was with. So that would have been weird, but luckily we avoided that. So, um, what do you say to people that would call you a culture vulture? And I haven't called you a culture vulture because to me, I feel like you live the culture. Mm. You know, it's not like you're just exploiting it. It's like you're there and you're with these people before they break and, you know, I feel like you enjoy it. I think it's a fine line between making content about shit that you're into and then just like shamelessly exploiting black culture which obviously there's plenty of white people that have done that throughout our uh, time my time paying attention to hip-hop and it's like it's a fine line and like i don't get mad when i see people say that about me because the truth is is that i probably stepped over the line and done some stupid ass shit and been too comfortable when talking about black shit on camera and you know i'm just trying to be good on camera trying to like figure out how to talk about shit and everything like that so i mean i'm open to the criticism i don't mind when i see people saying shit like that well, about me well what do you do to make sure you're not being a culture vulture even if it's like unconscious like mm. you know because being talking about another culture like when i'm doing rock and roll i believe all music is one but i always be trying to make sure that i'm not disrespecting anybody's heritage or anything unconsciously mm. or when you go to another and I could do that because I'm reckless. I say mad shit, so I'm always very clear. So you do have to be sort of conscious of that no matter what you do. Like if I'm doing something about somebody Jewish, I'm gonna definitely be conscious of their religion and whatever they're doing, regardless mm. of whether I agree with whatever's going on or not. I still gotta, I'm still gonna have that kind of respect, you know, just 
awareness. Yeah, I mean, there's a what lot do of... Do? What, what kind of... What, what way do you make sure that, you know, even though you don't might not give a fuck because you know you're not, but how do you make sure that the people that you're working with don't feel that way? I mean... I, I see you got black women around you, and I love that. Mm, shout out to Laura. Yeah. You know, Strong black sister. She does the, she does the, the, the work of a couple of women. She can hear... Yeah. No, I mean, I, but I mean, men, the, there's a lot of situations that I'm in, like where you know, you literally might be interviewing a rapper who's a teenager who is, you know, famous to whatever degree because of his music is also famous for like a murder charge or like a, a shooting or whatever. And it's like, how do you, as a white person, these are just things I think about. How do you have a conversation with that person who's 18 years old in a respectful way that is acknowledging that that's something that is exciting for people that people want to hear about whatever torrid past people have but then also approach it in a way that you know isn't giving the audience fucked up ideas about masculinity or what you need to do to prove yourself i mean it's i'm just saying that these are situations that i'm trying to handle the best i can but that i'm aware that i probably have failed at in the past and it's just kind of it's just always a situation where you want to be just considering how you're having those conversations the drug shit you know, you interview rappers who like literally are like mostly famous for making catchy songs about doing drugs, but then also you just realize what opiate abuse is for the culture and the horrible effect that it's been having on people in the rap world for a long time and outside the rap world, of course. But I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and act like I've always put my best foot forward. There's definitely been conversations that I looked at later on and I was like, man, that shit was tone deaf. I look like a fucking dickhead, whatever. And it's like, you know, I mean, I think in terms of being like a culture vulture, it's like, I see people in the media that I look at and I'm like, that's a fucking culture vulture shit right there because I see shit I don't respect. So I can't really like close the door on having a conversation with somebody who says that kind of shit about me because I, I think that about shit that other people have done, you know, at times. And sometimes you gotta take the L and you gotta monetize yourself taking the L because like I just posted this interview with Slim 400, who's a friend of mine. And what happened was that his manager sent me a text message after he got shot up and told me about him getting shot up and I fucking posted it on Twitter and I forgot to blank out the name of the hospital he was at. So Slim bugs out on me on camera and he was cool about it. He was like, you know, I'm sitting here having this conversation with you because I like you and because I respect you and stuff, but that was fucked up. And so then I took that and I put it on YouTube and I titled it the same way that I would think that I would title it if he was calling out somebody besides me because I'm like, I did something stupid and I deserve to be called out for it. So I gotta I gotta promote it as well. You know, I gotta put my own yeah, ass out there. You gotta be careful when you be playing with social media Whew, yeah. and, and these real issues. Yeah. Um. So Kelsey. I want to ask some. I want you to ask him some questions from your world because I wouldn't know how to ask these questions. So, this is your shot to interview Adam Twenty Two. I go over here and roll my joint. Wow. All right. Me and Kelsey. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, I guess uh, the first question I have is like, how do you? How did you get into like the interviewing YouTubers? Like, how does that start from interviewing like, like rappers to YouTubers? I mean, like what I was saying about how I look at rappers sort of like the bmx kids that i was like out filming and hanging out with for all those years i, I would kind of say the same thing about youtubers in general where it's like i could just empathize with what they're going for, through and like ever since pretty early on i remember like i got a nade shot interview super early on who's like a, a gamer dude who's like a boss got his own brand all this crazy shit and like you know i, I was just geeked because my shit was still kind of small at the time and nade shot wanted to do an interview with me and that's when i realized i'm like even the biggest YouTubers are possible to do my podcast because they everybody fucks with rap. Everybody likes rap. 
So if you're somebody who has like an actual relationship with rappers, then people are gonna just automatically like sort of give you a, a degree of whatever clout. Yeah. So I feel like that was just kind of my entry point to then be able to try to get somebody like Shane Dawson or Trisha or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, look at me. No, you're pressuring me. Um, <laughs> okay. We're friends, Kelsey. We're <laughs> Shut up, Dame. Okay. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in the rap world? As far like in the YouTube world, you're like an interviewer, and mm. you're pretty well known. But in the rap world, how how are you known? Yeah, it's weird because I feel like in the rap world, like I meet rappers all the time, and it's like they either don't know who I am or they know who I am and they fuck with me. So that's like. I feel good about that, I guess, just that I feel like I meet a lot of rappers who are genuinely like fans or at least just see what I'm doing and they respect it. And I don't know. I mean, that's, that's honestly like the best feeling because like when I started doing rapper interviews and shit, I didn't know one rapper. I didn't know one. I remember I saw Jim Jones drive by in his car one time in New York and I was hyped. That was about all I had going on, man. I didn't know shit. Like, you know, it was like, and, and to be honest, when I started the BMX website, I didn't. I didn't know one professional BMX rider, and that's just way easier to meet a professional BMX rider than to meet a, a rapper, you know? So it's like, I, I kind of like used creating content about the niches that I was interested in as my way to basically get into both industries. And I, I feel like even, you know, every interview I do, like, like we, I, I've, I've seen probably more bad interviews than anybody because I'm always like doing research to get to get ready for somebody else's interview. So I go watch some interview that they did with some chick on Vimeo that has 3000 views and it's like the worst piece of shit ever. And so I realized that like one of the biggest things about doing interviews is that you just have to have the respect of the person that you're interviewing. So to me, it's like if I just do dope content with people on an underground level on a you know, if I if I, I just interviewed Trey the truth, it's like that interview is not going to get a million views. but people who really know about the music world and like really respect Texas and shit probably be like, damn, Trey the Truth gave this dude an hour of his time. I'll go do an interview with him too because, you know, it's like, it's just all about building up that level of respect from, cool. you know. So I want to get back to some business. Um, what I respected about your interview is at no point did you offend me with a stupid question. Mm. And I think that's what bothers me the most is when I do interviews with people, they want me to level down. They don't try to level up and they don't respect my time like you know mm. and usually i'm there to help you know what i mean like I, I feel like i try to deliver the truth and shit and a lot of people try to like knock that for some reason because maybe they feel guilty about the fact that they're the opposite of it which is a lie you know so i just felt that you were a, you, it was a good interview it was a good interview now my question Appreciate is that. yeah it was a good interview um i respect it uh my question is you come in here and you're telling me about, you know, how much it yields, right? Mm -hmm. How sustainable is being a YouTuber? You know, how long do you think it lasts? How hard work is it? And is it worth the bread? Do you make that kind of bread that everyone wants to be this now? Mm. Is it that? Is it that? Or is it? Or is it like? Do you look at it as a, 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 a way to get to another level? And what's that level you want to get to? So there, first, I want that one question, and then the other. So I mean, it's a tricky decision for somebody like me because it's like I'm looking at how I'm doing right now. And like realistically, I could maybe make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, uh, a month. Excuse me. I could probably make a couple hundred thousand dollars a month doing what I'm doing independently. That's good money. Or 
I could go off and I could fucking do a TV show that's going to take up fucking so much of my time and they're going to give me like fucking what like 20 grand or some shit like 40 grand they're going to give well, me jack shit. Let me stop you right but that's, there. So it's a long term plan if can I want to do just, some shit I, like that I or just, I could just work on my own content independently and just have just, fun like that. You can know? I just address that part of what you just said? Yeah. So you know you see what I'm doing right? Uh-huh. And it's 100% independent. And the level of the content and the quality to the extent that I have my own streaming service and I'm launching my own 24-hour network. But there's ways to approach that business where you're in control Mm. because it doesn't have to take so long. What I've noticed in this town is everything is a skim. So other people get budgets, meaning it's not their money. People give them money and then they have to justify spending it so they make up jobs so they could distribute it a certain way. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. But when you do it and cut out all the middlemen and all that other shit, if you got the cameras and, you know, again, like... I would have I would have went crazy before if I had to pay for this time we were taking to start blocking. Mm. But because it's my spot, you know, I'm, there's no overtime for me. I can take my time. It doesn't cost. It's not that big a deal. You see, I'm chilling. You mm. know what I'm saying? We haven't lost a dollar. We got to chill, kick it, and learn more about each other and what we're doing. So it wasn't a bad thing anyway. And also, we still got to cover it. My point is, it doesn't take that long to do it when you do it yourself. Mm. So the same way you're doing it yourself as a YouTuber... You could do it yourself. You have to just kind of step up the production and then just distribute it. But now with so many ways, like, you know, to, to monetize, to uh, like you were saying, like, YouTube and the content that's on YouTube now is really starting to evolve. I mean, the question... You're going to have to be able to do it like a real television show at some point anyway. But the thing is, is that I'm, like, the way I see it is, like, I see what you're doing where you're entirely independent. You have your own platform and you're just trying to draw people into that platform. For me, I feel like I'm just finessing... The platform of YouTube because realistically, YouTube like like a lot of my early successes was because like I did a long ass Suicide Boys interview and all the Suicide Boys music was blowing up on YouTube and what was it auto playing next or what was it recommending on the sidebar it was recommending that interview so our channel was getting huge amounts of subscribers from that interview and that effect still happens for us all the time in the sense that that's a big part of it is that people are watching all these rappers on YouTube so then they find our content in the related videos and that's like you know that's you know basically that's how that? we built an audience you know what I'm thinking when you say I would that? have nothing if I didn't have that effect building my audience, you know? You know what I'm know? thinking when you say that? Mm. This is all of your interviews, right? Mm. Imagine not one interviews, 10 or 20 of you a day doing that. Mm. How much money that would yield. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm. And that's what a network is. Right. So, and also, when you capture content, because sometimes you have to keep interviewing people over and over again. If you do something scripted or something that people will watch over and over again, then you get what's called um, um, passive income. Mm. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's residual. I, the problem there, though, is like, can you think of 10 or 20 people that you want to see talk about hip-hop? Because I don't know if I can think well, of that's fucking not what four. I see, now look, let's think different. <laughs> let's think different. See, when, yeah. when I spoke to you, number one, just now when we were talking, I was thinking, damn, that's an ill documentary. Mm. Because... Uh, the, the bike lifestyle is a lifestyle that's very interesting and has been relatively untouched. Mm. What's my man name that rides a bike? Um, he does. The, got the Jordan, black kid. That's oh, Nigel Sylvester, name. yeah. That's Shout my out man, Nigel. Nigel, yeah, yeah Nigel Sylvester, because he used mm. to come around the gallery, you know, and I'm just mm. watching him evolve and just be that cool dude, mm. you know? But they, they don't even know why he's that cool dude, mm. you know, what he represents and what he had to, you know, it's just, it's rough, man. That's a rough life. Mm. So I just saw a doc, I saw a scripted, I saw a movie, I saw different TV shows about different things. Like, 
why you don't interview your, your, your BMX peoples no more like that or focus on that as well, you know, and those kind of things. And I'm not saying that you should and, you know, you're cool. I'm just saying that's just the way my brain thinks. No, that's that's real. I think that the thing for me is that if I'm going to take my audience, you know, we have 3 million YouTube subscribers. It's like if we're going to create content around BMX still, I want to make it content that people can enjoy on like a bigger level. That's why I said a movie. Better entry points TV than show. to just do a podcast because I did so many like why you keep saying podcast? industry podcasts with those How people. How about this? Let's not say podcast again in this conversation. No, you're anti-podcast now? No, I'm saying in this conversation, you've already established that. You've done it. Right. So it's always about talking about the next thing. Mm. And I ain't, I wouldn't like, yo, I did a movie. I don't keep talking about movies. I'm like, yo, I got to do a network. I got a serious affection for podcasting as an art form, though. I look at Joe Rogan as like kind of what I want to be in a lot of ways because he just has his lab, his blank fucking room, nothing in there. There's no people allowed in there. And he just gets motherfuckers to come in and he has two, three hour long conversations with them where they just get deep as fuck. And to me, that's like a big part that, of That takes three hours. What about the right. other 20 hours in a day? Yeah. But I don't know. I'm not really just having fun. That's all. I that's guess just... I just don't really like give a fuck about movies, so it's kind of hard for me to like want to make a movie. Well, I was more or less thinking about content yeah. and different ways to make it. So I, I gave you different variations. I was right. like documentary, movie, TV show, all type of things. But just turning yourself into a brand and making it where, because for me, like there may be a time that you don't feel like getting up and doing a fucking interview. It might happen. Mm. You might and that's why I'm people. trying to build the brand into something that's bigger than just myself. Like I see you got the weed and all that. Mm. So yeah, what other businesses do you do? Uh, you know, we do the weed, and that's a big part of it. I have the bike shop on Melrose. We sell bikes. We sell clothing. We sell, you know, kandamas, the, the bond stick toy. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. What's a bond poor stick toy? <laughs> Kendama. It's like this wooden Japanese uh, ball and stick toy. We sell them for $40. They're really cool. I'll give you one. Thank you. Yeah. But, yeah, you know I got a, about all this? A, a bunch of different stuff under the No Jumper banner. There's one thing I'm worried about with these millennials and generation, what is it, X, what is it? The vaping. The vaping. Motherfuckers is dying fast. You got spliff in your hand. That's just worse, though. No, it's not. I never, I, listen, this is all natural, Don't you know, and I ain't seen nobody die from no weed, but I'm seeing people from them vapes. I'm seeing they, um, yeah. their, their lungs, like young, pretty people just fucking up, and then also shit exploding and all that shit. I just want to know what the 10 blunts a day are doing to me. I don't think, honestly... Because it's natural and because it's been supposed to be perceived as so wrong, but, you know, they give cannabis in hospitals now. And I know that for a fact it makes your cancer cells weaker. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't see it. And I know Dr. Seb, you know, Sebi used to have a joint in his hand all the mm. time. I'm going to stop when my doctor tells me to stop. <laughs> but As long as I can jog yeah. that mile mm. and I'm not wheezing, I can work out. I don't, you know, I, I have, I'm 48 and I feel like I, I, I'd smoke because I'm going to stop too. You got to get clear, I think. But um, and I've been saying I am for a minute. <laughs> Same. But every time somebody gives me a pound of something, I can't not smoke. Yeah. But it's weird, right? Like I just, just love I just it so like much. It's I like have a friend you can't let go. And you know, I, I can't imagine, man. Like if you're addicted to alcohol, bro, alcohol has so many man, negative sucks. effects on your life and your personality and, and your it makes wallet. Your body, if you're, you can't move around. And yeah. The way you feel the next morning, shit. I, I wake up the next morning sweating and start sweating. Alcohol I smoke ten blunts. I wake up the next morning. I'm like. A little groggy for like fucking ten minutes. So I, go, I work really out. Do yeah, yeah. I can't work out drunk. No, no. So who's your favorite artist right now? My favorite artist right now. I've been driving around listening to that new Young Thug a lot. Uh -huh. He's probably like my favorite rapper of the modern generation. I'm a big, big Kodak fan too. If we're talking just broad, big artists for me over the past few years. 
And what advice would you give all these artists? Because they're going through a lot. <sighs> like, how can you... How do you tell someone that young to avoid all the things that you know is going to happen? It's just mm. unavoidable, and it's, it's just a, a tragic cycle that continues to happen. And I just don't see the expectation of adults when you give someone young so much bread, so much power to expect them to act responsibly. Mm. I just feel like the people older than them should guide them a, a bit different. Yeah, I mean, I f it's weird. It's a hard decision. And they rock stars, bro, but they just rock stars from a very serious, ex uh, extreme circumstance. Yeah. I see a lot of, like, you know, I look at Juice World, who's, like, a good friend of ours, and he's, like, 19, and it's like, this dude blew up last year. He's like, he, he never really had, like, an adult social life. So he's just so used to just being on tour, being in the house, I I, being in the studio. When and that he, shit gets normal, that sucks. He missed that whole part of his life where you're just, like, a guy hanging out, going to work, going to the bar, whatever, like, a normal life. Not, and, listen, that's what I'm doing now. Yeah. Like, my version of it. You feel yeah. like you're enjoying what? a little bit more normalcy? Dude, are you kidding? Mm. I love my life, especially compared to what it was. Mm. You know, I get to get up when I feel like it. Like I say, I work on my dreams with the people I want to work with, my point of view. You know what I mean? And if I want to be a rock star, I have an environment to be one in. You know, I'm doing things that are productive. I'm helping the world. My girl's pregnant. You That's know, why I, I respect love, you. I love, like, like, even though there's a lot of, like, Postmates and shit like that. But like for a minute, I was loving going to the supermarket. I was doing. I did like for like I did like five years of regular shit, but like just as Dame Dash. Yeah. So imagine being able to be like, okay, I'm Dame Dash now, and then I'm just normal, but I'm Dame Dash normal. Yeah. I have that option, which I've I've, I've always I've been appreciative of. That's the, I'm not a rapper. I'm not a singer. I'm not an actor. You know, I'm not really an entertainer. I'm known for business and a point of view and a perspective, and I'm known for fighting for what I believe in. Mm. But I'm still famous for it. Famous, you know what I'm saying? Like at least famous in certain markets, in certain worlds, and in, in you know certain places. I respect people like you for the same reason I respect Joe Rogan. Where I'm saying like this is a dude who had a massive TV show. He could go get another massive TV show right now. He does. He goes and hosts the UFC shit. He got everything in the world that he could do if he wanted. He always is talking about different business opportunities that people are throwing at him and people wanting him to do this and do that. He just says no to all of it because he's actually gotten to the point in his life where he can 100% focus on creating the shit that he wants to make it's like he gets more enjoyment out of doing six hours of podcasts in a day than anything else like he actually has arrived at that and i just respect people who get to a certain point in their life where they can just be independent create the shit they want to create grow their platform and you just don't have to deal with anybody on some bullshit corporate level and and, and, and that's I what it's important and i appreciate to me. that but don't get it twisted mm. i'm gonna make a billion liquid cash with my television network i believe it because that's what the television network game yields. Mm. And that's the reason why I'm playing that game. So what I'm trying to figure out and what I'm doing is I want to make a billion dollars off what I love, no compromise, and have all the money that everyone that had to give up that soul and that and everything they love about themselves to get there where they hate themselves mm. and have to be on drugs or whatever to escape. And they outside every day instead of enjoying that house that they, they work so hard for. Because mm. it never made sense to me to have a big house and want to be on the road every day. Yeah. That makes no sense to me because life on the road is tour bus, mall, hotel, a little bit of loneliness, mm -hmm. and then for like, you know, an hour of gratification, and then you're yeah. right back doing the same thing two, three hundred days out the year. It's nice to go do that, but well, if at you, the end of the day, I want to be comfortable in my home working on shit saying. with my girl, with my family, uh, around want that the Billy. important shit. I got it. I'm Billy, I'm Billy Pablo the third. I got to mm -hmm. get that Billy. But I think because I'm authentic, because the things people pay for, I create. Mm. And because 
I know how to package it, put it out, and I hustle smart. You know, I'm going to get all of what everyone else perceives as success, which is like the fortune. But I've already got the priceless billion that I really want, which is the ultimate happiness. Moving when you want, your kids being happy. I'm boring you. And, uh, and uh, you know, actually being able to help other people fight for the same things you believe in. Mm. But make money off that. Look cool doing it. Don't have to be all granola out. And really, again, it's always going to be about that love. End of the day, we're all trying to monetize doing good shit for the culture. Yeah. Bringing new shit to the table, but then also being able to make sure. Not working so hard. Not having mm. to come outside all day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, again, what's the evolution of you? Where do you see you in five years? Let's say ten. I mean, I feel like I'm still working at getting into my groove with the podcast, to be honest. Like, I, I, I feel like I'm just, like, continually accepting my identity as just somebody who really cares about just doing a lot of interviews. Ten years. Where you want to be in ten super years? That's important to me. Um, I want to keep growing No Jumper into a brand that could be bigger than no, what no, it no. Is Cut now. to ten years. Lifestyle brand. Cut to ten years. Ten years. Don't tell me about okay. what you did to get there. What does it look like in ten 45. years? Forty-five. Uh, house bigger. How much bigger? I don't know. I just got a house. I'm, I'm having a hard time imagining why I would need a house any bigger than that. Well, that was the first thing you said. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I'm pretty happy with how big the house is, but I'm assuming in ten years maybe it'll be bigger. Um, I don't know. I just want to keep growing the media company okay, side of things, look, the, the look, content. Listen. Not today. <laughs> but figure out what your dream ultimately is in 10 years and visualize it. I kind of feel like I'm there in terms of doing the interviews. My AC is broken, so that's definitely one thing that 10 years from now I want to have fixed. Like I said, <laughs> do me a favor. <laughs> just think it through. Mm. You know, this is a conversation you have with yourself. Mm. And think about what you want your day to look like in 10 years from when you wake up, if you even have to go to work, to when you go to bed. I feel you, though, because I feel like I'm caught up on a lot of million-dollar dreams right now, and I don't got no billion-dollar dreams. Like, I don't got no, like, crazy big thing that I'm going to invent that's going to change the world type ideas at this point in my life. I'm but just focused on grinding the out the company that I built for myself. But I feel what you're saying because, you know, when you're on square one, you got a lot of space in your head to think about this, big, this, lofty ideas. This is more ideas. of a, like an exercise. Mm. So it doesn't mean there's any responsibility or any commitment with it. It's just a different exercise. Mm. You know, like these are my brain games that I play. I visualize what I want 10 years from now. And I really look and specifically see it through like I'm shooting a movie. And then I focus my energy on making that happen and having other people focus their energy, making them dream the same dream, but them in it where it behooves them and their independence and them to be able to focus that same energy and for us to all make it happen and have fun doing it. And uh, that's just my way. Mm. Can you give me a way? Give me some, a tip. Pause. A tip. I said pause. Just in life? In anything, man. Give me some fucking advice. Nobody gives me any advice. I want some. I mean, you've been around the block. I don't know what kind of Damn. advice you need right now. I need, come on, man. <laughs> you've done a lot of shit that I never did. Come on, give me some advice. I never even dumped champagne on a bitch's head, nothing. <laughs> That's a bad memory. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not one for a 48-year-old with daughters. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> nah, don't let nobody do that to you, girl. <laughs> My girls. And I'm having another daughter, too. Come My on. advice for you... Um, First thing that comes to mind is just 
when you're looking at somebody's Instagram, look at the followers and then pay very close attention to the likes on Me? the photos. Yeah, just like just observing, like just so you I'm know that you're not getting Instagram followers and all that. I just don't want you to be getting duped by anybody who got fake clout because there's a lot of fake clout going on out there, man. Fake YouTube views, fake followers, fake everything. It's crazy. It's a jungle. Well, this is a jungle that my demographic would probably need to understand. What I want to do is, does anyone in the crowd have any questions? I think Hassan has a question. Yeah, come on, ask a question. Got a little studio I'm sorry. Audience. I'm sorry that you're being put on the spot like this. <laughs> All right. Question. I mean, that was very entertaining. And this is something I would have watched. You know, and, watch it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. Um, Let's do it. Well, as a new artist, and as Dame's artist, my question would be, can I get an interview? <laughs> well, well, why don't you ask him, how does an artist get an interview? No, but I have a good answer for when people ask me if they can get an interview. <laughs> I would say, you know, you really got to, like, like no, you don't want an interview until... There's enough attention or like enough of a reason to already want an interview because I feel like an interview is kind of like sabotaging yourself to a certain extent. And like because either you all of a sudden have an interview on a platform and people aren't necessarily interested in it or you just sort of become that thing. Like I know I know plenty of artists, rappers who have like done like a bunch of DJ Vlad interviews and nobody knows any of their music. And it's like. That's just that that means that probably nobody's ever going to check for your music. You know, it's like I don't, I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm doing somebody a favor before I give them an interview too early. And a lot of times I end up having to have that conversation with people where I'm basically like, listen, I'm not giving you an interview. And it's because I fuck with you. So, Here's a question I have for you. Why should he give you an interview right now? I think because what I'm have you done that's so interesting that he should talk to you in front of his millions of people? Yeah. No, I mean, I have to. I'm just saying I think I'm actually a way more interesting interviewer than musician. <laughs> so that's the reason. Interviewee, you mean? That's the reason. Yeah. But the question and interviewer. The question I asked, and you didn't even listen to my question. <laughs> what have you done that he should be giving you his platform? Not because you think that you're fucking entertaining when people talk to you. Well what have you done? Not how you feel about yourself. I think I did a really cool beat auction immersive experience. Uh, a couple months ago that uh, was innovative and I'm going to be honest with you I don't think I'm clicking on that <laughs> yeah next yeah. Yes. what but else have you done let me give you an example and this is the, <laughs> the shame the awful thing about the internet is that I will sometimes click on interviews from people I don't even know who they are maybe I like heard their name in passing or whatever just because the title says something really fucked up like for instance I clicked on a DJ Vlad interview with a dude who I know of I've seen some of his videos and stuff but I might not necessarily watch his interview but he had an interview that said it was like how I make I used to make five thousand dollars a day scamming iPhones I clicked on that bitch because I wanted to know what else have you done it's fucked up but other it's than the art gallery beat auction uh, we put out a song called sand nigga okay that That's might spicy. be something you click on. Might be kind of rough to do that in a YouTube what's, title, you're right, though. Now, you but got, also, yeah. What's interesting about that? It don't have to be interesting. I was asking I mean, you. Yeah. I don't know. It's saying it's self-explanatory. You're from Iraq? Hurtful yeah. language. I'm oh, from Iraq. Okay. My, 
Well, hurtful. <laughs> no, you I'm know. just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I'm my, sure it was an artistic thing, yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't have to be artistic either. My my grandfather was in the parliament pre-Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein came in, decapitated my grandfather in front of my um, father and his 15 brothers and sisters. Whoa. At seven years old, they became, they became political refugees. And, um, yeah. So it's a poem based about that. And that's the name of the album that we're putting out next month. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think that you you gotta like guide your content towards shit that people are gonna want to hear about. So like realistically, I probably might click on the interview clip that is like blank or Hassan talks about his father or his grandfather being decapitated by Saddam Hussein. That's a pretty good title right there. Yeah. Better than the beat auction, huh? Yep. <laughs> All right, yeah, so better. we get a click on that one. I feel like honestly though, people at home just think about shit in that way. And that's why a lot of motherfuckers go on interviews and just lie their asses off now. Yeah. Um, you man, okay. You got a question? Come on, bro. Thank you, man. That was very intellectual. Appreciate you, Jay. That was great. What's up, man? Dang. Adam. Man, happy to be here, bro. Um, being that we all smoke weed, I wanted to ask about your weed strand mm. because you got into different brands. Got the own some shit shop. You got the no jumper clothing brand. So, like, what made you want to jump into getting some weed? You know, I think at a certain point, I just had to kind of accept that I'm just good at marketing shit, and that it's one thing to be selling podcasts and and uh, t-shirts and stuff. But at a certain point, it's just like you know, I feel like you know, I don't want to wear a t-shirt from some random ass company that I don't know anything about. I don't want to smoke weed from some random ass fucking brand that I don't know nothing about and I don't like the people who run it or whatever. So I actually got approached by this this really amazing company, Grow Operation, is like they just wanted to partner with me. We ended up checking it out and it was just so dope and like so high end, like the most ridiculously like sterile, clean, productive environment I ever seen in terms of their grow operation. That I was just they forced try to grow in Vegas. But I was just looking at it and I was just like, you know what? I got it. I got to do it. I'm never going to find something doper than this. So I just feel like at this point, I'm ready to really sell. put my resources into promoting the fuck out of something, you know? It's like... It's it's the best thing in the world to sell weed legally at some point. You just got to get it out of your system no matter what. <laughs> like, I remember selling my first weed, like, legal, my first little... You know, I went and pitched that shit myself mm. in front of the police, and I couldn't believe it, but I had to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I taped it and everything. Or... Yeah. I don't know. I'm just trying to flex my marketing... So let me ask you a question. So you, you run commercials? We'll do some ads on the podcast and shit, yeah. Oh, okay. So we could do some swaps, some ad swaps? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I'll get some DDS TV, whatever, and I'll you put your shit on my shit. There we go. Because I think that's the way, like, that's the way independence will make a lot of bread is by just exchanging resources, by coming together and saying, look, here, I got distribution, just like hustling. Mm. If you got work and I got distribution and I got, you know, it ain't gonna take nothing for me to let you pump on my block. Just let me pump on yours. Right. You know what I'm saying? Or you know, you got a plug, pass it. If I got one, I pass it. Yeah. I mean, that's the way people stick together. You know. I'm so thankful for these. Doesn't have to be such a grimy business. I'm so thankful for the iPhone games and the penis pills and the the caffeine energy pens that help us keep the lights on over here at the No Jumper well, that's Podcast. Why defending the vape shit, right? Like that's gonna be a fucking. Sponsor. Oh no, no, no. Uh, the vape thing is totally different. The caffeine pens are. What yeah. the fuck is a caffeine pen? It's basically just like caffeine, but you can just inhale it out of this. Is it healthy? Yeah. Hmm. I, I assume. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't there when they did the research. I, but. Can I ask how much they pay for ads? 
uh, you know, a couple thousand at least, like just to talk about it on the podcast. I never wanted to do it, but then I started watching all these comedy podcasts and everybody's just doing it. I'm like, man, fuck this shit. I'm going to get that too. Now how do you solicit for that? They come to you? Uh, yeah, you start spark up relationships with different brands that are trying to do that. But most you like just keep an eye on other podcasts and see who they're working with and then just try to holler at whoever. So pause, pause. Pause. The dick, pe- the dick pill people will holler at you or you holler at them? Or you just was a customer? I don't know how exactly we got in touch with them, but I know some other people that do ads with them too, and they just sort of because that's the wave. That I feel like they because another friend of mine was telling me about the candy ones and all these other type shit. Yeah, I think they're gummies. Yeah, it's like real normal. You know what I mean? Like, I guess my fucking. I never took a Viagra, do you, do you, and I, I never took a gas station sex pill. Do you need a um, what you call it? What? Oh, I don't really care. Do Do you need <laughs> Do you need a, um, a prescription for that? They, they have physicians online that will tell you what dosage you need. I know, because I've read this ad multiple times. Got it, got it. Hey, Dame, I had a question for you, too. Uh-huh. Um, being someone that's an Angelino from L.A., what made you want to choose to have your studio in Burbank? Um, well, that's where all the other studios are. So for me, if I do worry about perception, it's about, like, controlling the narrative of exactly what I'm doing. Like, because most people can't, or at least, like, in my generation, can't even understand what launching a television network means or having a movie studio means. You know, I just want to make sure when I do something, I got everything they got. Like there's no compromise, same address, you know, same kind of credibility. I got the same, you know, zoning and everything. Like when they come in, they're like, oh, we just came back from Disney or Cartoon Network or whatever. That's that's the the conversation. Those I need those to be my neighbors. You know what I'm saying? I need I need them to be speaking about me. I don't really, that's why I don't really care about what people are saying in games I'm not playing. You know what I'm saying? If I already played that game, y'all gonna talk about me forever because I left and you want me to come back. So keep talking. I know the impression I left, but I got bigger fish to fry and I'm vegan. You know what I'm saying? So, you know what I mean? So it's like, I don't really hear none of that shit. I just want to be around people that are doing what I want to do. I don't really want to hear about you unless you got what I want. You know what I mean? And and the only reason why I want to hear about you is so I know how to get it from you or get it how you got it or we gonna click up and get it or work together. But either way, I'm on that block. Facts. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and what, what comes with business and your dream is bleeding. You know, like, I don't really know how it feels for the last 10 years not to have between 30 to $100,000 worth of overhead every year, every fucking month, rather. You know, but I'm chipping away at my dream. So, you know what 30 to 100 is a month and like tricking and cars and jewelry and fronting and flossing? But instead, I'm going to get a camera, I'm going to get a stage, I'm gonna, I got to pay salaries because that's my dream. Ten years, at least a million a year. That's 10 million. I better make at least 30, 40 times that because that's the game I'm playing. You know, the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. And if it comes too fast, it goes too fast. You know, and I'm enjoying what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? But like, again, also, I wanted to be in a profession or in a game that nobody that was on my nerves is in. I ain't got to see none of these people. They can't affect nothing. They don't have, you know, usually certain people, when they get in the game, I'd be like, now nah, it's whack. I'm out. I just got out the game to get away from them. Now they're here. And, I, and when I see people checking for my now I think everybody's corny. And then I'd be like, everybody corny. That's just how I look at things. So I need to see what this TV game is like, the real TV game. But, you know, doing it my way. No fund, no raising money. You know what I'm saying? It's mine. All me. So if I make that billion... At least 90% of that's coming to me because I'm going to break 10 off with my staff or my crew, whoever helped me build it. 
That's why. But so that's why I'm here. But also, I'm in L.A. because my daughters is out here. Yeah. My daughters out here. It's facts. Thank you. Nah, it's all good. Any questions? How about from the females? Okay. <laughs> I know you got one. Thanks, bro. <laughs> I'll give her the hand. See, like, when I, when I got mic cubes, they're for different companies. That's for the streaming service, for the 24-hour network. Oh, okay. I got one for Poppington. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everything to me is a network, a channel. If I'm doing fashion, that's going to be a channel about fashion. Uh, you want to tell me something? Uh, huh? Is Poppington your clothing company? Yes. Nice. How'd you get started in that? Well, well um, I started a lot of brands like Rockwear, State Property, and those were urban. Then I went to fashion, rock, uh, Rachel Roy. And all those brands usually would come from my, my point of view. But I was always having to deal with other people because I was making them the face of it, you know? Yeah. And I would end up getting robbed of it each and every time. Like, I could tell you the fuckery that happened with Rockwear. Fuckery. Straight up. Like, if, like I, I'm not even going to get into that. You know what I mean? <laughs> And then even the fuckery that's going on with Rachel Roy, I put $6 million into that business, and I got to fight to get it back. It's my fucking family. Yeah. And it's even worse. When you do business at that level with family, then your family at a certain level will scumbag you, certain people. And that's what it is. It'd be the people that be so close to me, and I'd be like, damn. So I was like, I got to do some shit that's just completely about me yeah. and my point of view. And really, I'm a dude that went to boarding school. I went to prep school as, as well as the hood shit. So a lot of people be thinking the long socks and all the way out. That's really just because I used to go to fucking prep school like that. And you used to be able to wear your shorts with your suit if your socks was long. But I never was. I hated wearing pants with fucking tie all day, a uniform. Hey, can I just, can I just throw something in here? Uh, first ever photo in a BMX magazine? Uh-huh. Rockerwear hoodie. All right. Yeah, Rockerwear. I appreciate that. You know. But anyway, so that's what Poppington is, and it's everything. It's just like it's a reflection of our point of view. It's very basic. We make the socks, we make outerwear, we make suits. You know, we make everything. But just like everything I wear, but it's more uniform. That's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty classic. But the cut is always good, and it's all made in America. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. You got a question for Adam? Um, I actually have a random questions. You like any old school rap? Yeah. I've been on that lately. Like, I actually have been fucking listening to, like, Cam and Nas and Jay and fucking CNN and all the shit I listened to when I was younger lately. I've just been on that. But, but if honestly, if you asked me, that like, a month ago, I would say no. Because, like, for real, like, to me, like, I just, like, listen to rap like I'm, like, watching TV. And it's, like, I can, I can rewatch an episode of the TV show I really like, but... It's not something I'm going to do over and over and over. To be honest, like, my mind's always, like, moving on to new shit, and I'm always, like, just listening to new... Like, my girl said that the other day when I was listening to now. She's like, usually you listen to music that came out, like, the same day that it is right now. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah it's got to wear this shit's, like, 20 years old. You don't think, just for your brand, and, you know, people understanding who you are, to answer all culture vulture questions, credibility questions, doing a documentary about all these things and where you come from, wouldn't support exactly who you are? Documentary about myself? Well, yeah. Or about the life that you're in? Yeah. Mm, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I got my filmer following me around today. That's kind of like a little documentary. You're going to do a doc. We just do it so incrementally that we never do like the grandiose, big, crazy project. We just do YouTube heat every day. Why, why, why not do the grandioso? I don't know. I just haven't got around to it yet. Mm. But Don't I waste time, you. bro. 
Trust no. me. Get money when you're young. It sucks when you're older trying to get it. For real? Yeah. Look at look at all these motherfuckers that got to be out every night to the club. They mad old. I hate going to the club, bro. I, at a certain age, and I see people that are my age and older out every night, I be like, that must suck. I have to talk to people so much younger than them every day. Listen, Woo! I'm, I'm going to like legitimately like sell kilos of cocaine before I start being in the entertainment industry, like going to the club <laughs> to try to get paid at night. Fuck that. That's not happening for me. I will do anything besides before I'm, I'm a schmoozer. I, I hate motherfuckers. Like, I cannot schmooze with a damn. Ooh, this I wanted to ask. Hey, real quick. Who's, what, does he have a nemesis? You got beef with anybody? Like another, another YouTuber? Anybody know? Hey, somebody knows. Who's I know you? a lot of people who hate me, but they don't talk about now, it, so got, I ain't going to talk like, about who, that. Who's, who's, well, because I don't know. So y'all be knowing who I got issues with. But I don't. Who you got? Who is it that you. Machine Gun Kelly question. hates me. Why does he hate you? Because I said he was whack. Uh, That's pretty much it. I reserve the right. For the record, I reserve the right to say that people are whack. But, you know, <laughs> I, I can understand somebody having an issue with you because you don't rap. Yeah. So it's like, yo, I hate when people like, if you don't do business, you telling me I'm whack at business. Until you could do that, I don't really be wanting to hear what people got to say. So I get it, but whatever. But I'm saying someone that does what you do. Uh. You know, someone that. Oh, like a podcast? Like a, a nemesis. Like someone that kind of does what you do. Or someone that people know that you, uh, you know, y'all don't get along. It's like a little competition, but y'all got no, a little problem. I, I never, no. Nothing? Nobody. In YouTube world? Where they box and have fake weddings and shit like that all day? <laughs> Nah, for real. But I know people who don't like me, but they never said anything about it. So I'm just, whatever. Uh, I'm not gonna pop off on I just somebody. Wanted to, I wanted to ask one of them questions so I could get the, uh, you know. Yeah, no, no, I don't blame you that. at all. Yeah. Did we get one of those? Which one? If I wanted to put up something that was like the catcher of this interview, what would it be? <sighs> I don't know. I felt like my my answer about the culture vulture thing was pretty measured. I don't know if I gave you anything too too juicy but with I asked. that. Yeah, it's good that you asked. Asking is good. So I should say, Adam on being a culture vulture. Honestly, if you wanted to go viral, you should have wild out on me. Flip out, just say some crazy shit. That would be that, that would do it. Well, but then you'd have to fake it. It's like nah, well, it's not that. worth it, right? Nah, yeah, I, yeah. I want. I'm saying because, you know, because I really don't know what's gonna be. You know what I mean? Because I don't. I I would prefer to be catchy, not on some bubblegum shit, but like on some smart shit that evolves us and it's like prolific. Like we just said something that's so dope. That it's, you know, because mm. you could go viral on dumb shit, but you could also go viral on some super dope shit. Mm. So, you know, I want to figure out how to do, you know, what did we say that was so dope that made sense that people would want to click through? It's your content. Hopefully you got an editing team that, that goes I, through I, I, and like combs do, it. For, so you know this game. I don't right. know that game. You but I'm saying like you through. should have somebody who works for you who like goes through the, the, the interview and like tries to find the juicy, viral, right. interesting shit, whether it's positive, negative, whatever, and hey, like clips it, puts it on the gram, Chelsea, et cetera, we got to find the, you know what I mean? But we don't want to sound like it's bubblegum, but it got to be, I think the culture vulture thing is good. I'm down. I think, the, and then also the $500, Dame asked them about the mm. $500. That's the other good shit. The good one, because that was some bubblegum shit. Like, that, I was like, come on, I got to hear this now? At least I didn't tell people <laughs> the hospital that you were in. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's crazy. I ain't gonna lie, that's crazy. That's so funny. <laughs> that's so and people crazy. are like acting like, oh, he doesn't look like he feels bad. It's like, motherfucker, I felt so bad that I didn't know what the fuck to say. It's just, that's crazy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's why I was like, oh. That really reminded me. I'm from New like Hampshire. You, yeah, I know. I'm, really, wow, I'm really from the suburbs. I didn't think about that shit, huh? That's crazy. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. So I think we got enough, you know, and I, I appreciate you coming through. Is there anything you want to promote? Anything you want to say? No Jumper Weed in stores very soon. No Jumper, the YouTube channel. Adam22 on all social networks. 
I am Tony Cat. That's my cat. He got like 73K. So follow him too. You got a cat? Mm, big where's fat he, white guy. Where's he go to the bathroom? A box in the bathroom. In yeah. my bathroom. One dude, of one of the bathrooms. The bathroom? Huh? Dude in the bathroom? Well, I, we have a cat litter box in one of the other bathrooms that we never use. So I can't, I can't do the litter box. I don't like that. No. I don't like doodle in the house at all. But I got four dogs. I can't fuck with dogs. Are you kidding? You see how cool he is? Nah, he's cool, but like at the end of the day, he's got a shit somewhere, and I'm not really outside. trying to be responsible. Yeah, nah, but you, you got to bring him on. outside. I don't nah, want... nah, he goes outside. I don't catch, bring him catch in. me outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for your question. Appreciate everybody.